Today I want to talk with you about experiencing God. You know, we're, we've been in this series as we got into the year, hunger for God, right? Being hungry for God. And I hope that there's something stirring inside of you that, that you desire for more of Him to actually have an experience with Him. And so we're going to conclude this today with, with experiencing God. And at the same time, we're going to introduce the new series that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. But let me ask you a question. Have you experienced God yet? Some of you are like, yes. Those are moments that you'll never forget. I remember when I was in Bible college, we had a special night uh, where there was, there was an evangelist that had came. I was in a unique situation where I was in college. Um, we were like in the hub of the denomination that we were in. And you talk about some of the best speakers in the world. Some of the best communicators of God's word in the world would come through our city, you know. And while they were there, they would come and minister to the students, the, the future pastors and, and evangelists and missionaries. And so one night we were there and, and uh, you know, I, the circle that I was in was, was heavily Pentecostal and, and you know, it was, it was charged up and fired up. And during the altar time after the, after the service, uh, after he was finished preaching, I'll never forget, I was all the way up here on, on this side of the altar. And during the time of, of prayer after the, after the service was, was finished, the students, starting from the far right side of the, of the sanctuary, just you could hear like this eruption beginning to happen, and it started coming across, and I was like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to get to experience God. And it was just like a roar started coming across, and just roar. And everybody was, you know, you could sense everybody was experiencing God. And I was like, oh, God, yes, when it gets to me, I'm just going to feel it, right? And it got to me, and I was like, ah. What happened? So I'm not talking necessarily about any kind of an emotional experience, and sometimes your, your emotions will be there. But what I'm talking about is an experience that you have with God where you know that you know that you know that He spoke to you, that He did something inside of you, and that He touched your life, or He performed a miracle. And you just know it. Nobody's going to ever be able to talk you out of it. And fortunately, I had enough of those experiences that that one did not discourage me. Anybody ever had an experience like that? Some of you, yeah. You feel like you're, you feel like you're on the outside looking in, right? Have you experienced a move of God in your life? You know, you hear stories about people talking about their difficult times in life and how they stayed strong no matter what I stood with God right you hear these stories you, you hear about people that pray continually all day long and they hear from God all day long I don't know about you but I would love to to have all of that experience all of my life right people that are willing to die for him their stories you, you read Fox's book of martyrs you know there's more people being martyred for Christ today than and, and practically every day than all of, it, all of history combined, every day there's that many people being martyred for Christ. Did you know that? People seeing miracles take place. People who 
used to be horrible husbands or horrible wives, that they got saved, they had an experience with God, and now suddenly they're an amazing husband or an amazing wife. Why? Because Jesus came in and they had an experience with God. You've heard stories about people like this, people who were once hated in the community because they were such a horrible person in the community. And there's people in the Bible that are like that, but they, so, so they've, they've turned their life over to God, and, and what happens? They start reaching their community for Christ. You've heard stories about people like that, people who overcame great struggles because of the strength of God. You've heard these stories, but have you experienced it for yourself? It's so easy for us to be satisfied living out everybody else's experiences. We've kind of been trained that way. We love TV. We love movies. And so we sit and we watch these TV shows and these movies, and we kind of put ourselves in there with whatever character that we identify with the most, right? Is it possible that we do that in church? That we hear what everybody else is hearing and or what, what everybody else is saying and, and their experience with God. And sometimes we feel like we're on the outside looking in. Oh, it's beautiful snow. Maybe we'll get some this week. Tuesday, it's coming. We feel like we're on the outside looking in. Oh, it's so beautiful in there. Santa's in there. Little snowman and a Christmas tree. It's just beautiful in there. I sure would love to be in there. But it's nice to look at it. And I can pretend that I'm there for a moment. And that's how it feels sometimes. We hear people talk about an experience with God. Yeah, okay. That's great. What about you? Are you hungry to experience God? Do you feel like you're on the outside looking in, wondering, is this, is this really for me? And with our relationship with God, there's this quest for adventure. There really is. You know, the promise is that your life would be full. And I can stand before you and say that when you give your heart and life over to God, your life will get full. And when you truly begin to seek Him and are hungry for Him, he will give you experiences in life that only are explained with Him in the story. He will do things in your life that only He is the explanation for. And He will take you to the very last millisecond before He answers some prayers, just so that you know that you know that you know it was Him that did it. How many of you have experienced that? And he will cause people to rise up against you so that only he could be the one that pulled them away. 
he will mount you up with bills sometimes so that only he could have gotten you out of it. He wants you to experience him, and you can. And deep inside of all of us, we have this desire, we have this drawing to have this experience with God. But we're so afraid of being disappointed, we're so afraid of failure, we're so afraid of ending up frustrated. And the truth is, you'll have some situations, like I had over here in college, where you're like, well, God, where are you? Why didn't you do this to me? Were they all faking it? I mean, come on, let's get real. I don't know about you, but I want a genuine experience with God. I don't ever want to walk out going, oh, that was fake. I totally faked it. I remember one time there was a, a, a singer that had come to our church, and he was singing, and, and he was a great gospel singer. You'd see him on, on TV and stuff. And, and I was in college at the time, and he was, he, he'd been invited to come to our home church, and, and he had us all line up across the front of the sanctuary, and I'm standing there, and he came by, and he was touching people like that, and boom, they were falling. I was like, wow, this is going to be cool. All right, I'm, in, I'm down for this. God, give it to me. He comes to me, and he goes, and I, I did that, and he pushed me again. <laughs> no. I want a genuine experience. I don't want something man-made, man-manufactured. I don't want somebody to get glory for it except for Him. I want a genuine experience with God. I don't need Benny Hinn blowing on me. I want God to blow on me. I want His breath. I'm not going to settle for it. And I don't want you to settle for it. Deep inside we want it. And I'm asking you and I'm challenging us to not be content any longer with a snow globe Christian life. That you would step into it. That you would get into it. That you would step into what God is doing. And I don't know about you, but I want my own, I want my own stories of God's signs and wonders and miracles. I want to experience God. So what do we do today? Where do we begin to experience God? You do what we've been talking about. You begin to set your focus on Him. You begin to think about Him from the moment you wake up to the moment you, go, you lay your head. Well, John, that sounds like work. No, 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 it's freeing. When you begin to think about Him, you set your affections on Him. You know what I mean? You ever seen something like a new car? And suddenly your affections get set on that? Am I alone? Oh, Amy's with me. Amy's with me. The first time I laid eyes on my Camaro, oh, right? I set my affections on it. I have to be careful about that. God, it's yours. You can keep having it, right? But if we can do it for something like a silly car, can't we do it for Him? We absolutely can. You've got to turn your focus, you've got to turn your affections from the stuff that's easily, that, that easily grabs our attention, and we've got to set it on Him. And we start thinking about Him. We start talking to Him throughout the day. Set your thoughts and set your affections on Him. Here's some questions that you can begin to ask Him. God, what do you like to do? I would like to do that with you. 
And there's plenty of scriptures to help you to know what God likes to do. There's a lot of scriptures that help us to know that. Ask him that question and begin to work with him on it. And, and here's a question. If God is here with me right now, and how many of you know he is, what would he do with my surroundings? What would he do with the people around me? God, what would you do? And it's all too often we come into church and we're worried about how our hair looks. We're worried about how we look. By the way, I found out this week I'm not losing all my hair. Isn't that great? That lady lied to me. Those of you who didn't hear last Sunday morning, go back and listen. She lied. Isn't that great? And I already scheduled another appointment with this one, so we'll see how it works out. But what would he do with my surroundings? And so often we're so self-centered, we're so focused on ourselves that we're not asking that question. Who around me needs me to say hi to them today? Who around me needs my attention? Who around me needs me to, as we talked about last Sunday, prophesy to them, to speak a word of encouragement that God gave us? You don't have to make anything up. All you need to do is have God's word because he has promised good things to us and you can communicate that to each other. What would Jesus do with my surroundings right now, today, right here? What would he do with the people in my life? What would he do with my family? Here's a question. If you had to, if, if Jesus came to you right now and said, Tom, I want you to know, I appreciate you, but man, I'm going to go ahead and send you up. And I'm going to finish out your life for you. Sound good? Mm, probably not at the moment, right? <laughs> okay, he's not asking you. He's just going to do it. And he's going to take over your body. He's going to take over your memories. He's going to take over your life. And he says, I'm going to finish this out for you. Go ahead. Job well done. But I'm going to finish this out for you. What would Jesus do with the rest of your life? What would Jesus do with Shannon? What would Jesus do with your kids? What would Jesus do with your job? What would he do with that beard? He'd probably keep it and maybe make it a little fuller on the sides. I don't know. He'd probably start wearing sandals. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? That's right. You do wear sandals. All right. So that wouldn't be a big change. What would he do if he took over your life with the rest of your life? What would he do with your memories? The things that happened to you when you were young that you've never been able to work through, never been able to get over, what would he do with those things? Would he let them continue to affect the rest of your life? What would he do with it? He would heal them. He'd deal with it. What does God like to think about? It's a good question. What do I... What do I do that God gets enjoyment from? It's a good question. God, what do you enjoy that I do? Then I want to keep doing it. These are questions to help you connect with Him. Set your affections on Him. Think about Him throughout the day. When you go into the store, God, what would you like me to do? Oh, candy aisle. I like that. <laughs> Probably not. Who would He want you to talk to? If you see my mom in the store and Jesus tells you to talk to her to talk with you, you better be ready. And dad's sitting in the parking lot waiting for her. <laughs> but 
But how many times the Lord has used her in the store saying hi to somebody that she doesn't even know? Mary Magdalene experienced Jesus. How many of you have heard of Mary Magdalene? Did you know, well, she's mentioned more in the Bible than a lot of the other 12 disciples. And this woman was demon-possessed, seven demons that Jesus cast out of her. She had an experience with Jesus. A real experience with Jesus. And she spent the rest of her life following Jesus and ministering to people and doing what he wanted her to do for the rest of her life. She was so full of gratitude from that experience with Jesus. Beautiful. Nicodemus, y'all remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus was the guy, he was, he was a ruler of the Pharisees. And he was a member of the Sanhedrin. And Jesus gave him an opportunity to meet him at night. Because Nicodemus was this ruler of the Pharisees. He was somebody that didn't want to be seen with Jesus in the daytime. And you would think that, you know, Jesus, and the impression that you would get from some people is that Jesus was like a snob. Well, if you don't want to be seen with me in the daytime, then no, I'm not going to meet with you. And that, that's not Jesus at all. Jesus met with him at night. So he didn't have to be seen and didn't have to deal with all of the stuff from the rest of the Pharisees saying, what were you saying to Jesus and what was going on there? Jesus met with him. And it was at this meeting that we have the most loved and quoted verse that Jesus said, which is what? For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he what? Gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It was in this this meeting at night that the most loved verse, beautiful. And so Jesus met with him and Nicodemus had an experience with God. And here he was, this Jew. And listen, for him to be born again, as Jesus said in this meeting, for him to receive the kingdom of heaven, he would have to really experience God in his life. And he left that meeting and he made a decision that he would have to lay aside Judaism, his job, to accept Jesus into his life. And he did. And when Jesus was crucified, Nicodemus was one of two men, Joseph of Arimathea. And those two men, you can imagine with tears, they lovingly prepared the body of Jesus for the grave. And he and Joseph of Arimathea put Jesus' body in the tomb. He had an experience with God. He had to change his job. He had to change everything because of that. Y'all remember Zacchaeus, don't you? What do we know about Zacchaeus? He's a wee little man. He was a dwarf, right? And one day Jesus was coming in town and this dwarf shimmies up this tree because he can't see. 
And he's sitting up there and he's waiting to see Jesus come into town. And, and, and what's amazing is here we are 2,000 years later and we've got this song that you probably sang growing up in church because I've heard you all say it already, a wee little man. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. When Jesus, a Savior, passed by, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. Yeah, you guys are great. So what happens? Jesus finished singing that song and everybody said, why is he hanging out with this sinner? Why is he hanging out with this guy? Zacchaeus was hated in the community. He had stolen from a lot of people in the community by using his, his power as a tax collector. He had stolen from them. And Jesus went to his house that day. And Zacchaeus had an experience with Jesus. So great that he told Jesus, I'm going to give half of everything I own to help the poor. And I'm going to reimburse four times what I've stolen from anybody. He changed his life and he made things right. Because he had an experience with Jesus. You know, when we experience Jesus, we try to be honest, don't we? We try to be right with our finances, don't we? We try to be right with our taxes, don't we? Why? Because we experience Jesus. And there's nothing more important than keeping that relationship open. Saul of Tarsus. Do you all remember Saul of Tarsus? He was a, he was a terrorist. A religious terrorist. And he had legal rights to go and hunt down Christians. And he would do that. He had the opportunity to go hunt them down, put them in jail, or... He could kill him. And he was at the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 7. Scripture says he was holding the cloaks of those who were stoning Stephen, one of the greatest, greatest men in the New Testament. And they killed him. And Stephen had an experience with Jesus that day. While the rocks were hitting him, the Scripture says the heaven opened up and he could see Jesus standing there watching the situation. What an awesome moment. And Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 9, just a couple of chapters later, he's riding on his donkey, breathing out murderous threats for Christians is what the scripture says. And they're on their way to Damascus, him and his company, and they're on their way to Damascus because they found that there's a sect that's there and they're going to go hunt them down and they're going to deal with them, these Christians. And so as he's riding along on his donkey, wham! Somebody knocks him off his donkey. He falls to the ground. He's blind because this light is so bright. And he says, what in the world? Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. Oh, man. 
suddenly something down deep inside of him went wrong, right? <laughs> this is not a good situation. I'm persecuting. This is the Jesus that I've been trying to get everybody to believe. He died and this is just some hoax and it didn't happen. I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Saul got up, spent the next few years of his life making things right with the church, getting the church to trust him because he had put their people in prison. He'd put the church's people to death and he got them to trust him. He also learned all of this about Jesus. And Saul of Tarsus became the Apostle Paul who ended up writing most of the New Testament. And I want to read some of the stuff that he experienced because Jesus came into his life. One time he was, he was writing, and there's a reason for him writing this, but I just want you to grab on to some of the things he experienced in, in his relationship with God. He said, I've been beaten with whips more and have been in danger of death more often. Five times my own people gave me 39 lashes with a whip. Three times the Romans beat me with a big stick, and once my enemies stoned me. I've been shipwrecked three times, and I even had to spend a night and a day at sea. During my many travels, I've been in danger from rivers, robbers, my own people, and foreigners. My life has been in danger in cities, deserts, at sea, and with people who only pretend to be the Lord's followers. I have worked and struggled and spent many sleepless nights. I've gone hungry and thirsty and often had nothing to eat. I've been cold from not having enough clothes to keep me warm. Besides everything else, each day I'm burdened down, worrying about all the churches. When others are weak, I'm weak too. When others are tricked into sin, I get angry. He says, I have had all these experiences. In another place, he says, you know what? I wouldn't trade any of that for the life that I had before knowing Jesus. He says, all of the stuff that I had before I came to Jesus is rubbish. It may have been a great life from your perspective, but loving and knowing Jesus far outweighs all of that. And he says, I have this experience with God, and Jesus is real, and this is all. My life is full. My life is full. I have everything that I need, even though I've got all of that. You know, he felt good about that. He felt good about that. When you experience Jesus in your life, your life changes. So if you need a life change... You need to experience Jesus. No, I need to go to a counselor. You need to experience Jesus. One Easter Sunday morning, I think it was probably 2008, Colette and Ken Remy experienced God. It was Easter Sunday morning, beautiful Easter. Laura Ashley was just a little girl, and she got up and she sang a song all by herself that morning. The worship was great; everything was. We had the wall; it was packed from wall to wall where we used to meet in Frisco. It was a great, great service going on. What we didn't know was, before church, one of the ladies she was a missionary to the prisons, and her name is Adrian. She's passed away now, but she would come to church, and she rode one of those motorized scooters. You know what I'm talking about? And 
she had this truck that would lift it off the truck and set it down, and she would do that before she came in. And our guys were out there just kind of helping her, you know, and, you know, our guys are always helpful, right? And when it set the, to the ground, they realized one of the tires was flat, and so one of our guys said, hey, I've got some fix-a-flat. Let me grab it. And he put a whole can of fix-a-flat in that little tire. So she wheeled on into church saying hi to everybody. She was a very flamboyant lady. It was, she was fun to talk with and stuff. She wheeled all the way back to the back aisle and where she would sit. And, and, and worship got started. Laura Ashley sang. And everything was going great. And I got up and was going through. Mind you, this is Easter Sunday morning. Everybody's got their hats on and ties on and looking really nice. And, and everything was just going perfect. I was like, man, thank you, God. This is great. Everybody's enjoying themselves. This is Easter. And about two-thirds of the way through my first page of notes, boom, the loudest concussion I've ever heard in a building. It was like a gun went off. A lady that was sitting on the front row jumped up and got in front of me like she was going to protect me from whoever was trying to shoot me. Everybody just what was that? And all of a sudden we hear her say, it was my tar. <laughs> now, that sounds like a very unspiritual thing to happen. But when you hear Colette talk about it, it was like God knocked her off her donkey and said, wake up. And she's been serving God ever since that day. And Kenny's like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it was a life-changing, that was their first day to be in our church. They had been invited by somebody and wasn't able to find any other place years before that. And it's just awesome what God did in her life that day. One day while hunting in the woods of Missouri, my father had an experience with Jesus. Can I have a few more minutes? Is that all right? I promise I'll cut some of this out. But my, my dad, you know, my, he wouldn't let my mom go to church. And so this was back in the early 70s probably. And um, my mom would dream of the weekends that he would go hunting or fishing so that she could sneak to church with his sister. And so he went hunting this one weekend, and she was so excited because she was going to get to go to church that Sunday. And while my dad was out hunting, he was such a diligent hunter, he fell asleep. <laughs> and while he's laying there in the Missouri sun, God gave him a vision. He had seen the pastor of the church like briefly once at some event. I think it was his brother's wedding or something. So he didn't really, you know, have this great impression of knowing what he looked like. But in the vision, he saw this man, the pastor of the church, saying, come, come. And it was so real. He got up and he took all of his gear and he got in the car and he drove back home and he walked in the door and my mom was disappointed to see him. <laughs> and she said, what are you doing here? I'm going to church tomorrow. What? You can't go to church. You don't have anything to wear. 
Um, Natural reaction, right? And I think if he hadn't had that experience, and if he hadn't obeyed and got up and went to church that day, we wouldn't be here today. Because you see, he raised me in church. They raised me in church. And it was in church that I received my call. But if I hadn't had my experience with God, May 1989, I'd already sensed a call to ministry. I think by that time I was already enrolled in Bible college. But that Sunday in church, God brought me to a crossroads. And he said, John, you either go this way or that way. And I chose the way with him. And when I got up from that altar, I changed some things in my life. And I found myself at Bible college that fall pursuing ministry. But I had to change my life and I had to make God my God. Not not the God of my father, not the God of my mother, my God. I had to make Jesus my Jesus. James David, would you come? Have you experienced God yet? Are you hungry for that? So in the coming weeks, we're going to be doing a series I don't even know what it's called yet, but here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the six reasons we're here as a church family. One is, R is relationships. Relationships with God, relationships with each other. Listen, this is all about experiencing God. You do that in your relationships with Him and with us, learning more about that. Uh, E is evangelism. Our purpose together is that we reach the lost. We want to approach that in a fresh way. And we want to get something inside of us that says, you know what? I have friends and I have family that I can reach. Their life can be better. They can come to Christ. I can say something to them or I can pray for them. Evangelism, reaching somebody. And listen, until you begin to have babies and see those babies come to church and need to be nurtured and nourished in Christ, you don't have any skin in the game. But when you bring someone to church and see them get saved, you've got skin in the game. You want to see them grow in Christ, and you will experience God in the process of that. When you're standing there talking to somebody and suddenly you begin to speak the words of God, and, and they begin to respond, I'm telling you, it is the absolute most wonderful moment in life when they begin to accept Christ into their life because you, got, you had the guts to talk to them about it. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. L will be learning what God likes, what God doesn't like, and what God is doing. Learning those things. 
And that's what we're going to be doing on Wednesday nights. And that's what we do here on Sunday mornings. And that's what we do in our small groups. We learn, right? But it's, it's more than learning, right? Uh, T is teamwork. I'm sorry. A is adoring God. We make Him bigger than everything else. We magnify Him. We adore Him. We worship Him together. And that's a big deal. Chains are broken when we worship, right? Chains are broken when we adore Him. T is teamwork. Doing ministry together. Eternally meaningful work. That's what we do in this house. It's eternally meaningful. Eternally. And E is experiencing God. All of these things, this is why we're here, so that everybody can come in and truly experience God. And I want you to experience Him. It can happen right here, right now. One of the most consistent ways that you can experience God is His peace, like we talked about last Sunday. That peace that surpasses all understanding. How many of you experienced that at some point this week? Okay. You experienced God in that moment. He'll use His peace to talk to you, to get you through a situation, but you got to let Him. you got to let Him. All right? So this morning, right where you're seated, I want you to experience him, if you will. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Will you talk to him? God, I want you. Maybe you're seated at home right now, and you're watching us online. Right there in your room, in your living room, talk to him. Experience Him. God, I want you in my life. I want to know who you are more and accept you for who you are. Would you come into my life in a fresh and new way? Maybe you're one of these people that, like Zacchaeus, that had done so much wrong. You've hurt people. It's time for you to experience God. And God will give you the wisdom and guidance and direction to change and to make things right. And He will bless you for it. He'll fill your life so full, overflowing, with happiness and joy that it overrides and meaning that it overrides the pain in life. I'm not saying it won't be difficult. It may be as full as Paul's life. But you'll be like, Paul, I know Jesus, and that's all that matters. I trust Him with my life. God, we want to experience You in a way that's very real. We won't settle for any less. And today we commit ourselves to that, to knowing You more, to setting our affections on You, to ask what You like and what You don't like, to do the things throughout the day that you like. God, to come to know you, to live our lives out as though you were living them for us. God, I pray for those that may be here right now or listening that that they've got so much past pain and hurt and struggle. It's time for them to deal with it as you would, Jesus. If you would come and take it over their life right now, taking over their memories, 
as your own memories? What would you do with those past hurts and pains? How would you heal them? Give them the wisdom now to turn all of that over to you. Give them the ability to do that. What would you do with their sickness? What would you do with their pain? What would you do with what they're struggling with? What would you do with their bills? God, we ask you for wisdom and guidance and training. Speak to us. These individuals, lead them and guide them. You're our God. And now, God, I pray that every person in this house right now would experience you with peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Let it just fall on us like a blanket all across this room. No matter what they're struggling with, let the peace of God just fall on us. And joy begin to fill our hearts. We worship you. We praise you, O oh God. We praise you, O oh God. We love you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, O oh God. You're Almighty God. We love you and we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your favor and healing in our lives. We thank you, O oh God, for making our lives full. We give you praise. We give you honor. Thank you for peace. Thank you for peace. Healing over loss. Oh God, those who have been grieving, let your healing and peace just fall on them. An experience with you that takes it all away. We know you're our God. We love you. We thank you. Thank you, Jesus.